Okay. So seriously, what a beautiful day. I'm so excited for my American connected people in my life, whether they be personal friends or just like so many people in my life that to me are like celebrities because they're like amazing American authors and people in history that really made a lot happen. So that's awesome. That's awesome that they get to celebrate their day today. And also, I'm just so delighted because it's just, there's so many symbols of hope everywhere. Like, you know, the symbol of hope of the birds flying and they're alive. And like, I walk through my garden and it's like the symbol of hope of every little thing that's still growing, right? Like I just go through the tomatoes and I'm like, sweet. I made these little like beaver dam things like beaver dam inspired walls around my plants to help them do this flood irrigation thing a little better so that they can just like when I water one it's watering all of them on an like equal plane and it's working and they're soaking up the water and I'm so delighted and then I step outside today after we've had like a heat wave of heat waves you know I know people would be like oh poo poo on you like you know suck it up kind of thing at my are like you know, 32 to 39 degree weather, right? And it's like, come on guys, this is the hottest it's been for us. It is a, it is like a, it's a trial, right? And then, you know, like, but then it's clearing up. It's like the clouds are coming, prayer and fasting work, right? And so that's been amazing just to see it happening. So the clouds are coming through. It's about to rain in a couple hours here as predicted. And it's just a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing that that can be an actual reality for people like us who live here. And, you know, I feel like those symbols of hope give me just an added measure of assurance to be like, you know what? All is well that ends well. Every time. Like, actually, the plan is the plan. It doesn't matter. Like... You know, I was getting a little tizzied out about different rumor stuff, different drama stuff. You know, like, it's it's always a trigger thing for me when I hear of other parents talking about their teenage kids and the drama that they're experiencing, right? Because I feel like it's not like it was traumatizing, like, my teenage life necessarily, but I felt the trauma of those around me, right? Because they were in situations where they were so unprotected so often. You know, I felt like in some ways I was slightly sheltered. Not necessarily because my parents really were that strict to shelter me. But it's like I sheltered myself in some ways. Or I was taught or I was brought up in an environment where I had to shelter myself as often as possible. Because if I didn't, then I would put myself into this place where I would be regretting it for the rest of my life. Like, I always had to function ever since I was, like, nine years old with this mentality, like, um, so, since I kind of already get how life works now, like, at least in a tiny, tiny way, like, especially by the time I was 12, like, three years later, I kind of already got how things clicked together to the point where I was like, okay, guys, like, we can't just pretend that nothing matters, right? We can't just move through our whole teenage existence thinking that this is the way it's going to be for the rest of our lives and we can just party our lives until we die, right? Like we can't just like 
think that that's how everything works, right? So, you know, already as a 12-year-old, I was functioning as if I was a 22-year-old making decisions for my 12-year-old self and being like, (coughs) okay, what do I need to be doing this year that me as a 22-year-old would be glad that I did that so that they could experience what it's like being a 22-year-old experiencing (coughs) the consequences of what my 12-year-old self would be doing, right? And so that always brought me to be in places like, oh, well, let's go and look on volunteer. Let's just Google this up and be like, volunteer my city's name for youth ages my age and find who, what agencies, what organizations, what nonprofit groups need youth volunteers. And then I'd find different groups that are like, oh, we need a youth volunteer to be a puppet person or a hand, like a face painter person, or like we need someone to help with like, doing the tickets for this event or whatever, right? And I'd always be like, uh, sweet, this is awesome. So like every other weekend or every weekend or at least once a month between the ages of 12 and 18, so that's like 12 times a year, you know, I would be out meeting new people, helping people in the community, finding new adults and kids and youth and grandparents and whatever in different situations each month and I would just find them and I'd help them for like an hour to three hours to like six hours to nine hours, you know, who knows? Or I would like find, like, you know, one of my favorite little things was like when I was 15 and my friend came up with the idea because I don't know, she found this one group that was like seniors that needed someone to come and paint their nails. And so they, it was just this organization just like a few blocks from our school. So she's like, hey, do you want to come and do this on like Saturday mornings for like a few weeks? I was like, uh, yeah, like, that sounds awesome. And it was a good edge for me because around that time I had already decided, like, I had already decided along that journey of volunteering, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a social worker when I grow up. Because it seems like these social worker people totally have it figured out. They have this loving others thing down. You know, like, they can look at anybody from any ethnicity, any background, any religion, any, like, opinion base, whatever, and it doesn't matter to them. They can look them straight in the eye and they can be willing to help them and whatever. And I was like, yeah, I think the social workers got this like life human philosophy thing down. So I want to become like them. So then as I like opened my heart to that idea, it became clear. I was like, oh wait, if I want to become like that, I got to get started like pronto because I have so many um, like stereotypes that I actually believe about people or like um, prejudices or like, you know, all of this kind of stuff. I have so many of them. You know, the first one I realized was like, I hate kids. Like, I just hate them, right? Like, because I was the youngest in my family. So I just kind of never really grew up understanding what is it like being with babies and little kids. Like I had little cousins, but I never really was with them in their earlier stages. I just kind of see them every once in a while, but I never really experienced them. And so that was my first And it became really clear. I was like, yeah, I got to work on that. (coughs) Especially because like one of the first jobs I wanted to have as a teenager was working with kids. So I worked on that for a good like four years or so before I actually got to the point where I was like, oh, okay, I like kids. You know, I can enjoy them. I can find a way to like them. And we got this. We got this going. This is in the right momentum. We're going, right? So that was good. And then after a little while, I was like, wait a minute, 
I don't like seniors. <laughs> I'm like literally one of those like snub-nosed, snotty teenagers that don't want to move when the seniors come on the bus and actually feel like, you know, so prejudiced. Be like, why do the seniors get to take my seat? I want to sit on my seat when I want to, right? And it was just like, I was so snotty about it for so long. And then so then my friend's like, hey, let's go paint their nails. I'm like, okay, I sure need to paint their nails. I really do. So let's go and do this, right? So I go do that for like, I don't know, half a year or something in my grade 10 year or grade 11 or something. And I did it. And it legit worked. It was so sweet. You know, these old elderly, like, seniors would come and flirt with us. I'd be like, could you paint my nails? And we'd be like, sure. And they would just talk to us for, like, so long. They would take up all the spots of, like, the the elderly ladies that were supposed to, like, get their nails painted. And they would just come and crowd around to get their nails painted. It was so funny. It was just the funniest thing ever. I adored those experiences so much. And then, um, and then after that, like after turning 18 or something, or like maybe somewhere around there, yeah, I think it was 18, I decided, I was like, oh wait, I kind of hate teenagers, right? I hate people that are my age. It's like, oh my goodness, I need to get over this too. Like, I really need to get over that. Because really it was, like ever since I was younger, I kind of realized I kind of have an old soul. So I only really gave any space of time to people that were like, 18 and up or like other people that were kind of old soul kind of people that were kind of my age anyways. So I only really made time for the old soul kind of people in my age range, right? And then I realized around 18, I was like, wait, I'm kind of a snob though. Like I won't make time or care or or really think humane thoughts towards people that aren't like me, that aren't old soul kind of people, that are still immature or just like acting their age right (coughs) so I really had to get over that and be like okay I need to go and serve them I need to find these people that are this age and see what I can do so then I actually became like a youth leader like a, a teenage youth leader for ages like 12 to 17 or something and like led like leadership groups or something for them and like other things like and I started like helping out with like youth events it was good. I think I was like a youth ambassador that week or that year. Yeah, that I think, and I, and and I started volunteering with other youth groups. So I started like really getting to know other youth, like in the mayor's youth council or like youth foundation, like other groups where there was other youth around me, and and like not just the old soul youth, but like we were all getting together so we could serve the other youth, right? Anyways, that was good. And then I think around the time of like. I don't know, 19, 18, 19, that's when I started being like, oh, well, thankfully, like, I, I was like, oh, wait a minute, like, it became clear, because I was like, oh, man, I, I hate, you know, spending time with people that I'm actually supposed to love the most, right, so then I'd be praying, I'd be like, <coughs> I really want to go here, to go spend the rest of my life in this country, right, on this island with a beach, and that kind of thing, right, and I never want to come back, right? And then it became really clear. I was like, well, that's because I hate these people <laughs> and that I've always been around. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I have a lot to learn. So it was like, okay, the prompting was like, just stay home for a year. Just stay home for a year and just work on it, right? 
make it so you can love it, right? Like learn how to love it, right? And I was like, oh, oh, right? And it was like this moment of like, okay, okay, okay. Of all the things I've ever been asked, this is the hardest one. And I can, I can do something, right? I can take the next step. I can do that, right? So then it's like, okay, let's do that. And it was really interesting because it was actually the most miraculous year ever. It was just a year of lots of bonding, lots of talking, lots of doing lots of potlucks together, lots of activity, lots of bus rides, lots of like, just like it got to a point where I would just invite these people to every activity that I was going to because I knew the prompting was like just spend more time and build the relationship. So I was like, well, if I'm going here anyways, you might as well come along. I'll just invite you with me, right? So it was, it was a very beautiful year of just lots of bonding, lots of coming together. And, and then it turned out to be the year that I met my husband, my to-be husband, amongst all of that, right? So that was kind of interesting. And then after that, around that year also was the year that I was like realizing, oh wait, I really hate, I kind of really hate like this whole idea of babyhood and young momhood stuff like I kind of really hate the daunting feeling of what that will be you know I had already come to the terms that I will one day be a mom because that made the most sense to me to to do that and then also I also already hated the idea of birth in general I was like why is that even a thing that a baby is in your body and then you're expected to poop it out like a canoe like (laughs) that that happens over and over again, like there isn't any thing that has made it a new and improved version of doing that. Like, yes, I knew there was surgery stuff, but seriously, though, like, like the natural way, like seriously, <laughs> there's been no evolution that has made and improved that system, right? And so I was so nervous about that, that thankfully at some point along the journey of like processing that in my head, I had heard about one mom that basically she had her first baby and it was like, however most moms feel about having their first baby and then the second time around when she was pregnant she decided she was going to do a yoga teacher training and she noticed a big difference between the first birth and the second birth after doing the training (coughs) and when I heard her about that story (coughs) I just thought to myself oh I'm all over that That is how I'm going to overcome that fear, but not yet. Until then, I'm overcoming the fear of just even having a little baby in my life all the time, right? Because I had enough experience with six to 12-year-olds and three to five-year-olds, but I was realizing that I had a huge lack of experience or know-how with anybody that was two and under. So I was like, okay, I got to get over this. I got to get over being inconsiderate of babies and anybody two and under, right? And so then I decided I wanted to be a nanny and I found a position to do that for like a few months, actually like probably 10 months or so. And I would visit this family like twice a week. It was epic. I loved it. I like legit potty trained a baby, right? Like it was awesome. I loved it. And there was a cloth diapered baby and we just had a party, had a potty party every time it was potty time. And it was just so awesome. And I was so glad for that. Like, I'm just so glad for the guidance and help I've had from who I think is my Heavenly Father, 
who has just been alongside with me this whole time. Like there is nothing else that could explain how a nine-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old person, how, how a person could ever have that kind of a history, right? Of being able to be guided along the way. And I guess I have to just like reflect on that whole experience because like there's been some experiences that I've been, you know, on the know-how of, of understanding from other friends of mine in my circle where they're, they've been semi-concerned about the experience that their youth are going through. Like, for example, at different dance experiences post-COVID and, and I'm just like, oh goodness. Like it just brought back all the worst memories of that stage of life. Even when with me being a so-called good kid or whatever, I still had different experiences where I went to a party where like no grown-ups were there and all the things that were going down there, right? And and just like and me feeling like scared for my friends, being like, are you kidding me? Like all of you are gonna stay here. Like I'm gonna peace out. Like I, I could only stay for like an hour or two hours before I was like, okay, I just gotta get out of here, right? Like and I remember afterwards just crying for everyone there and being like, I can't believe I was the only one that left. Like how come everyone wanted to stay? Like I'm just like, ah, right? <coughs> and then like you know, just other instances I had where I was like, oh, I had to like use my ID to get into some place. Like even after I was 18, I was just like, I feel gross here. Like I feel like the energy of this place where I had to use my ID to get into. It's just so raunchy. Like it's just there's something about it that just feels so like, like filthy, right? Like filthy in an invisible kind of way. Anyways, and and it's just like, I just feel so glad that I had my Heavenly Father with me all along those other places that I could go to. Where it's like, yeah, I was super protected. Like, I might not have been sheltered by my act- like my earthly parents per se, like, but maybe I was, right? Like, I still have to have this conversation with them like later on in my life where I can be like, how did you survive having me as a teenager? Because like, I was just let loose on the city. Like, I could be anywhere. But, like, how could you, like, psychologically deal with that? Whereas for me, I always trusted, like, that I was doing every single thing I could possibly ever do to get a good resume so I could get a good job so then I could also get a good scholarship and get go into a good school and, like, be a really successful businesswoman one day. Like, that was always my, my game plan ever since I was, like, nine, right? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire as soon as possible, right? And I was just like, yeah, no big deal. And so I just like set up my whole perspective and trajectory in that kind of mindset. And I was like, that's my whole game. That was my whole thing. And I know that I've only ever been able to do anything along that trajectory because I've been guided and helped along the way. Like, it wouldn't make sense otherwise, right? Like I had... I had people close to me in my life who had mental illness. And so because of that, it like for sure made a strong burden on my shoulders that would make it so it's like, oh, well, it doesn't make any logical or scientific sense why you would be able to have any level of success in any area of your life because these these close people in your life with mental illness, right? And it's like, yeah, I know because my life is not my own. Like, I have a Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother in Heaven that are actually taking care of me every step of the way. 
And it's only through their like protection and their constant vigilance in my life that I've been able to be taken care of every step of the way, right? And I'm just so glad that like by the time I was like 15, that's when I really realized it, right? Like they were always there. But it's like by the time I was 15, that's when I learned how to actually turn on the lights and realize that they were wrapping up Christmas presents for me every night anyways until the day that I could find out the recipe to actually turn on the the light switch and see all the presents they have waiting for me every single day, whether through the miracles of people in my life that were sent to me to be my friend or sent to me so I could be their friend, or whether it was through, you know, different resources that I needed at the time or supplies or (coughs) pieces of knowledge and skills to acquire or whatever. Like it's, or things to just be appreciative of, or like blessings and gratitudes. And, you know, there's just been boatloads, just boatloads, right? It's like the, the same level of abundance of dandelions in a field. Once the rain comes, the snow melts, and you just see them popping up everywhere. And you're just like, whoa, like where'd all this come from, right? Or like seeing the sun come up over the sunrise and just going up slowly, slowly, slowly. And no person is the one that's in charge of saying like, oh, like, let's slow that down or let's do it a little bit faster or a little slower. No, it's like Heavenly Father's abundance and light just emanates and it just keeps going and it doesn't stop and it just keeps going. And those are just tiny symbols of how he does that physically in the physical world. But he does that in us, in our spirits on a daily basis. And, and it's like, I need to be slowing down enough so I can be listening and I can be feeling his presence and I can be watching and, and looking and seeing all of the different places that I can be standing in holy places. Like right now at this instance, how can I be allowing this place that I'm standing to be a holy place? Because I'm standing here, right? Like, and so it's like that, oh, man. I just feel so glad. Like there's so much to be glad for. And I just had to like get it all out. <laughs>